the topic is um, fasting. Um, oh, I'm a bit loud, aren't I? Uh, topic's fasting. But I'm kind of going to do a kind of big zoom out. And I'll kind of will zoom into fasting. I know it looks like I've got like this massive array of notes. It's because it's actually, it's definitely not a three-point sermon. Uh, but um, Mike will keep me on track in terms of time, won't you? <laughs> better? Yeah, better add. No, no, it's, like, it's not going to be ages or anything. Yeah, so anyway, let's just pray. Yeah. Father God, we want to thank you for your desire to share your heart with us always. I want to thank you, Lord, that you've given us lots of things, <laughs> lots of ways in which you can share your heart with us, Lord. You've given us your word, Lord. You've inspired the prophets and you've inspired people to write and author your thoughts. You've inspired the letter writers to support other churches and through that means that we get to be supported too by those same apostles. And we thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit, that your Holy Spirit is in each of us who, who loves you and that you want to illuminate your word to us this morning. And I really just want to thank you that your heart's desire is for revelation, to reveal yourself. So no matter what this morning, that's what I want to pray, Lord, that you reveal something of yourself which cuts to the quick and shifts something in our spirits and moves us closer to you, Lord. Amen. Okay, so um, this section here is kind of a little bit like a random selection of things that I might draw upon. <laughs> okay, right, the important thing here is, well, we've got uh, this weekend of prayer coming up, haven't we, next weekend. So it's our 24-hour prayer. And it's not just, we're not just doing this because it's like a random good thing to do. This is what Christians do. We're supposed to pray. We're supposed to get together and do that. Um, it's because we want to see some things change. It's because we want to see some things shift. It's because we want to see this area more open to God. We want to see God moving here. We want to see lives changed. And we recognize that we're instruments for that in the kingdom of God. And so we also want to bring ourselves to God in this. So it will be our 20, a 24-hour prayer time, but it doesn't mean that's the only thing, that's the only one we're ever going to do in the whole year. You know, I think it'll be, a, it'll be good. We're probably going to generate, well, we are going to generate other 24-hour prayers, other opportunities to, to really come before the Lord in prayer, in worship. And so, like I said, we're looking at fasting. But what I don't want to do is I don't want us to look at fasting and purely see it as this is a spiritual discipline that we're supposed to do. This is something that we're supposed to do as Christians. You know, it's good for us. So that's why we do it. I don't want us to just think of it like that. This is just something to do with me trying to get my life more in, under control and that's what fasting's about. I want us to see it as more than that. I'm not saying those elements are not in there, but there's more to it than this. 
So if um, you don't have to turn to all these references, but we're just going to look at um, the Lord's Prayer. And I'm going to look at the Lord's Prayer in Luke. So it's Luke 11. So our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I'm going to stop there even though there's more to it. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we know these words so well, don't we? And we've probably studied them lots of times. But the whole prayer is all about the tension that there is between heaven and earth. Heaven and earth. And uh, Andrew spoke, didn't he, about what's the opposite of heaven last week, you know, earth. So this tension between heaven and earth, what's going on in heaven, what's happening on the earth, not exactly the same thing at the moment. But ultimately they will be because the new heaven and the new earth will come together and what's happening in heaven will happen on earth because the two will be one, it says in Revelation. But we're at that, in that tension place at the moment. Some people call it the now and the not yet. Where the king has come, Jesus has come. And with him, comes the kingdom. And what does the kingdom look like? Well, the kingdom looks like the Sermon on the Mount. The kingdom looks like a completely different place to the way we see the earth being run right now. Now, I'm going to say things that you know today. Okay, there won't probably be an awful lot that you don't know. But I want you to just remain open to hear what the Lord might be saying to you afresh, really. In Matthew 28, Jesus sends us out. He says, go into all the world, into all the nations and make disciples. The mandate for us, the task at hand, the purpose for us is to advance the kingdom here. That's what we're about. That's our job, really. It's not just our job because we carry the kingdom in us. It's more than a job to do. It's who we are. And it's a very challenging task. It's a very challenging task. Because when we go into the world, we are confronting principalities and powers which operate in a completely different way to the way that Jesus operates. I'm already, I've gone off my notes. <laughs> They're in there. It says that in there somewhere. <laughs> completely different way to the way Jesus operates. And we know that we are at war. And I want us to look at fasting in terms of one of the weapons of war. But how is that a weapon of war? 
So we see nations being animated by demonic powers because otherwise they wouldn't be doing the things they're doing. Because if I look in heaven, where do you see blood? Where do you see the blood? I see the blood on the cross. That's where I see the blood. And the weapons of our warfare are different from the weapons of the world. Violence and warfare do not achieve the purposes of the kingdom. Now, you might say, oh, you're being simplistic there, Adrienne. Well, I'm just going to be simplistic for now. Because it's a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual battle. And the spiritual battle is fought with spiritual weapons. And what we're doing is we're bringing about what heaven looks like. We still have to do that, even though we know it's kind of coming. <laughs> but we, that's, that's what we're supposed to do. We do that. We live as heaven. We pray for your kingdom come, your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is his will in heaven? That's what we want to see here. So in heaven, we know there's peace. But here, it's not peace, peace at all costs. Because actually, and, and controversially, Jesus said he didn't come here to bring peace. And you say, what well, you did, because it says that you're the Prince of Peace. He is the Prince of Peace. But what he's speaking about is where his rule and his reign is, there is peace. In my heart, if there's Jesus' rule and Jesus' reign, there is access to peace. But in the world, he hasn't come to just bring peace to the world at all costs. His goal is not just peace, as in all wars to cease. That is not his goal. What's his goal? Thy kingdom come. His goal is kingdom come. So the kingdom is full of the citizens who are children of God. The citizens who love and know the Lord. People who know him. His people. His children. So the battle is about revealing the real king. Demonstrating the real king. Usually, by slaughtering someone, I'm not demonstrating who the real king is. Maybe I'm being overly simplistic. When Jesus was in the garden and he was about to go to the cross, well, about to go through all the kind of, you know, trials, Peter raised his, pulled his sword out, didn't he, and cut off the ear of the servant. And Jesus told him to put away his sword because he was saying, I have to go through this. I have to defeat death my way. 
not using the weapons of the world, and it's not done through violence the world's way. It's been done a different way through my submission to God, through my submission to the Father. And I actually wasn't going to say half of this, to be honest. <laughs> now, I'm not having a conversation really about whether people, Christians, should be pacifists or not pacifists. That's not actually the conversation. I'm just trying to draw out what it actually says about what the kingdom's about. That's what I'm trying to draw out. And it says, doesn't it, in Revelation, that when Jesus is there, you know, being revealed in all of his glory, what does he have coming out of his mouth? He has a sword. He has a sword. And that's the sword that doesn't bring peace in a way. It kind of does and it doesn't. <laughs> because what it does is it divides, doesn't it? And we don't want division in the church is not the place we want division, but we do need division in the world. We do need to know, people need to know who their king is. And that's what that sword does. That spiritual sword divides from who is your king here? Is it these guys? Or is it this guy here who's the Lord? <laughs> that's what that sword does. So we know that the war is won, death is defeated, the king is alive and living, the dragon, Satan, the devil has, had his, has his final destiny sealed. We know it's coming, the final destiny. And the nations will be his. I mean, they are his because it says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. But there will come a final reckoning now, some people get all, ooh, you know, talking about final reckonings and things like that. You know, but we don't, we don't fear as we're in the Lord. But we need to know, we're not just having a nice time of prayer. What are we doing? You know, there's a bit more to it than this. I mean, I love a nice time of prayer. There were great voices, it says in Revelation 11, in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Messiah, and he shall reign forever and ever. We're saying this is what it's all coming to. This is where it's all going. And we want to see his will on earth as it is in heaven. Everything true about heaven, true here. Right here, right now, we have a role in preparing the earth to see the risen Jesus. We have a part as his images, as his name bearers, bearers, Christians. That means those who follow Christ, those who follow the anointed one. We only recognize one anointed one. We don't recognize any other. To demonstrate through our lives what Jesus' kingly reign looks like. Now, I don't know about you, but 100% of the time, I wouldn't say my life demonstrates what his kingly rule looks like. I mean, maybe you're better than me. You are better than me, but you know. But we're all the same, aren't we, really, in that? We're all the same. But we also know that we do demonstrate his kingly reign. It's not that we, I'm saying we don't demonstrate his kingly reign. We do, but what I'm saying is there's always more. There's more fullness, isn't there?
we're also going to be, as we reveal more of his kingly reign, what do you think that will do to the world? Well, it's going to make somebody look at something. It's going to make somebody sit up and think. It's going to draw attention to the king. It's going to draw attention to the light. That's why it says don't hide your light, doesn't it? It's going to draw attention. Jesus spoke and demonstrated. It drew attention. It drew attention away from who was really reigning. Caesar couldn't heal. Caesar couldn't tell the waves to be calm and the wind to stop blowing. It demonstrated who was king. He demonstrated who was king. So, it says also that in Romans 16, 20, I'll just quickly find it, unless somebody finds it before me. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. That's a comforting line, isn't it? So the bottom line is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the war is won, but there's still a fight. And that's what we were singing about there, weren't we? There's still a fight. What kind of fight? We know it's not a physical fight. We know it's a spiritual fight. So in 2 Corinthians 10... Verses 4 to 9. Uh, Mike, can you find that, please? 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 to 9. And Sue, can you find Ephesians 6, please? There. Yes, please. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Okay. Look at things according to the outward appearance. If anyone is convinced of himself that he is Christ, let him again consider this in himself, but just as he is Christ, even so we are Christ. Even I could boast somewhat more about our authority which the Lord gave us for edification and not for your destruction. I shall not be ashamed, therefore since the Philip you by letter, for his letters they say are weighty and powerful, but his body is persecuted and weak and his speech contemptible. Is that you is that nine? Ten, sorry, it's a little bit Yeah. Um okay, um Sue, please. Just well yeah. Yeah. 
too. <clears throat> the fasting is a weapon also. Jesus fasted in order to be equipped to deal with his testing in the desert for 40 days. And um, as he went through that, it's, um, he went ahead. He did what, you know, what he's calling us to do. Obviously, we don't have exactly the same journey that he had in that way. But as with all things, he goes ahead so we can follow. And he's not unable, it says in Hebrews, to sympathize with us and our weaknesses. But when Jesus was brought into this place of testing, it's as if he was being asked these questions. Where are your allegiances? Whose are you and who are you? Who are you going to follow? What are you going to depend on? Where are you going to get your strength? Do you believe me? Fasting tells our whole self, especially fasting from food, mind, soul, and body, who and what you're relying on. You just can't avoid it. It may be that you do choose to fast from something else, but when you fast from food, and I'm not saying you have to fast for 40 days or fast for a whole day even, you know, there's plenty of benefits in partial fasting. But it speaks to your whole body. You just can't ignore it. You can't ignore it when you're fasting. And it, it reminds you who you're relying on. It speaks of my yielding, my submission to the Lord, turning my back on sin or self-reliance. It turns the face of my soul towards him, the source of life. Now, also, I, I, I think it's, it's really important that this is about choice. It's all about choice on what we're choosing and why we're choosing Now, just from being in the world, we get cluttered thinking, we get dull eyes, we stop being able to see things as they should be seen. So I'm choosing to recognize that my thinking has become cluttered. I can see that I'm relying on my own strength. You might say, you know, Lord, you've started to become out of focus and I can see less clearly. And what fasting does is it reinforces our intent. You choose to pray, but if you choose to pray, if you choose to fast and pray, it's you have chosen to be more intentional. Now, when God responds, because it speaks about, I mean, there's so many scriptures, but it speaks about, you know, the reward. It's not like, through merit, it's not because, well, you've done this thing, you've sacrificed something, so I'm going to give you something now. That's not how it works. It's to do with the intention of our heart and how much we desire his will. Not, not even fa the fasting's not is about his will, just his will. It's like 
beyond that. You know, when, we, when we're doing the fast, that's like the beginning. It's like what we're then moving into in terms of our prayer, in terms of our seeking, in terms of what we are um, wrestling with, with God. That's where the work is. And the other part is a step into that. So it is a weapon, but it's a weapon that, that is almost like an access. It's a weapon that is demonstrating intent. And in that intent, that's where the wrestling happens. That's where we come to the place of earnest prayer. And the Bible, um, when it uses the phrase earnest prayer um, in James 5, is it? Um, it actually means um, praying prayer. Oh, I can't remember what I said to you in the car. What was it that? It was like that, wasn't it? So you're, it's like praying prayer, prayerful praying. What's all that about? Why, you know, there wasn't not a word for it. It wasn't earnest prayer. It's like prayerful praying. So that indicates a kind of engagement. It indicates a, a process between us and God. It's not just saying a prayer. It's not I fast, and then when I go and say my prayers, God listens to me even more. It's more to it than that. It's a, you're engaging in a wrestle. And actually, the wrestle, it's not that God doesn't want to give us things from the kingdom. He, clearly, he says he does. He's eager to give us things from of the kingdom. He's eager, but what he wants to see is our hearts. He wants our intent. He wants our engagement with him. He wants the process, not just the results, it's both. And it's like it's an idiom, this prayerful praying. And you can see it. It's like you can see it kind of, it's like an intercessor would work. It's working with the Holy Spirit. It like goes back and forth. You know, you can't, it's, it's hard to separate which part's you and which part's him. So it's a, it's a different level of getting into things with the Lord in terms of praying for the kingdom to come. It's not just, I've laid a sacrifice before you, aren't I great, that I've given you this sacrifice. I'm not eating Miss Porridge this morning, and I'm going to skip my butty. <laughs> you know, now answer my prayer. <laughs> you know, no, he's like, okay, I'm just look, I'm looking at you, the intention of your heart. That's what I'm looking at. And it brings us as well to a, a, that place of humility, which is the not in my own strength. We recognize in his exalted status and we remind in ourselves of Isaiah 55 where it says his thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not our ways. And so we engage in that process of what are your ways? What are your thoughts? So the disciples didn't fast whilst Jesus was with them, but he says that, you know, they will fast when I'm not with them anymore. So part of our engagement with this is also our, it's our longing. It's our longing to see him revealed in the earth. It's the longing of the bride for the bridegroom. 
It's a connection. It's, there is an emotional connection there. It's not just about praying stuff. It's about our longing. And actually what fasting does is it says, this is also brings you to a place of recognizing your poverty. My poverty, our poverty of spirit. It's where it brings us to that place of recognizing our poverty of spirit. Because it says, doesn't it, in um, the Beatitudes, in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit. You know, and blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So, what the Lord's wanting to do is to stir up a desire, stir up a hunger for him. Stir up a desire and a thought for the things which are concerning him. The things which are on his heart, the things which are on his mind. They might not be what the news says. They might not be how certain things are being presented. We need to look what's behind that. We need to see, you know, what are you doing? What are you saying? What am I supposed to be praying in this situation? Well, obviously, a top prayer, quickly, you're going to, when you see suffering and all that sort of stuff, we're just going to pray about that, aren't we? Well, that's right. We should do that. You know, you don't need to do an awful lot of seeking God to pray for the alleviation of suffering. But then there are going to be other things that we need to be thinking, well, what's animating that? What's behind that? What else do we need to be praying about? So we need to be in our wrestling place. And sometimes we do need, like I said, that poverty to be revealed, to stir up our desire to seek so that we can be enriched because we're enriched when we come into his, um, when we walk in his will and we, we desire the things he desires. Let me just focus on what I think is most important out of these things here. So our battle, our fight, is causing a blind world to see a real king, to see the real king. And the world that, it's the world that we are in needs to see the real king. So that world could be broken down into different parts. So we've got the inner world. You've got your inner world. Does your inner world see the real king? That's where you have to start. Is your inner world seeing the king for who he is truly? So that's where we start. Because we don't want to be blind guides. We don't want to be the blind leading the blind. We can't be the blind leading the blind. That's what the Pharisees were accused of. But it's just that how can we lead someone into the true, into the things of God and the things of the kingdom? Not just nice things, not just things which are obvious, but further things. There's more things. So we need to be ones who are hearing the king, seeing the king in our inner world. And we all want to see the kingdom revealed through our families, with our children with our grandchildren. And then, in our local area, we want to see the king revealed, the real king revealed. 
in our region, in our nation, in the whole world, in the nations. So it's, it's here, and then it goes out. Revelation, revelation, revelation. We have the spirit of wisdom and revelation of knowing him, which is in Ephesians 1. But Paul prays that we may all have more of that revelation. First we come recognizing our need, our lack, our poverty of spirit. Now that is wisdom. It's not an insult to say, I'm poor, actually, Lord. I'm poor in faith. I'm poor in my revelation. There's a poverty in me. And he goes, great. Now I can come with all my resources and all of who I am, and I can come and put myself in this space. But if you've already filled it up, if you've already become dull, and you're not seeking anymore, then you'll miss me. So fasting brings us to this place. I'm not the world's best faster. I love a pie. Because I'm northern. And the other day I had two portions of pie. It was good. When we were away... Um, at the filling station conference, we were listening to um, an evangelist called Jonathan Conrath, and he said that fasting reduces our resistance, you know, speaking of electrical current. And, you know, we speak of, you know, the story of um, when um, the disciples were trying to, well, whatever, the, yeah, I would say the disciples, it could be like, you know, whoever, which ones it was, don't, doesn't say, were trying to cast out the demon from the boy, and they couldn't do it. And so then the Lord says, well, this comes out by fasting. And you kind of go, well, why? You know, why that one and not all the other things, you know? And I don't know the answer to that. Um, and so he was talking, Jonathan Conrath as well, about his experiences of, Setting, people being set free after he's preached the gospel in all the different nations and how, you know, um, in some cases, you know, it is fasting, you know, that kind of moves things along and gets the job done, if you like, brings people into even greater freedom at times. <coughs> so fasting does two things, really. I think, you know, it amplifies our strength in the sense of it, the Holy Spirit comes in greater measure when we do that. And increases, if you like, the voltage of the current through us. And does also, you know, the resistance to him is reduced. Now, if you, if you just fast, that doesn't necessarily mean those things are going to happen. But if you fast with an intent, this intent that I've been speaking of, an intent to see the kingdom of God, an intent to have the real king revealed, if you fast with that in mind, then that's what will happen. And you'll hear him more clearly. It might be 
really, really hearing more clearly. It might be you just hear more clearly a little bit. He'll lead you. You know, you're putting yourself in a position of being led. And he might lead you to say, well, that was brilliant. You know, now we're going to do this. And he might lead you differently from how he leads Dave or me or somebody else. I've got to bring things to a close now. Now, we are in a season, a time of fasting because we know that next week, Tom is speaking on feasting. So we know it's only a period of time. The whole thing of fast and feast, apart from being an entire sermon in itself, is that we fast now because the, the kingdom's not fully realized yet here. So we fast. But we are longing for the marriage of the bridegroom, Jesus, with the bride, the church. We are longing for that. And it says, doesn't it, that there is a feast. There's a wedding feast. And so we need to have that in mind, that when we're fasting, that we're fasting knowing that there is a feast. It's not like forever it's a fast. It's fast because there's a feast. And there's a, a cyclical element to our lives, which is why it's important to have those rhythms of fasting and feasting, fasting and feasting. Because, again, it reminds us why we're fasting, and then we're reminded why we're feasting. We're reminded why we're fasting, and we're reminded why we're feasting. And, and each has a purpose. And so I'm really pleased to know that we're going to have a feast together next week after. Now, you don't have to fast. No one's saying it's the law to fast. Maybe you've been stirred to think about this a little bit more, to consider maybe tr doing that. But I'm excited for, for the, the, the wedding feast. I know um, Lauren, um, Ruth's daughter, is getting married soon, and I'm pretty sure we're not having bread and water. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure there's going to be something nice to eat and probably cake. Pretty sure that there will be. So... As we just end recognizing that we know there is a feast to come, um, let's just pray. It was interesting in the dedication of the temple, um, David says, as he's asking people to, you know, get together, well, before the dedication of the temple, but the kind of construction, etc., before that, Solomon's temple too much to get into now, but it's the phrase that, that David says. He says, now who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? And I know that's been very much on Dave's heart. And the temple, when Solomon built the temple, it was then dedicated to the Lord. But that question that David asks, now who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today, is a really good question. <laughs> it's like, you know, so part of the process that we're going to be going through is that consecration of ourselves. And it says in the actual dedication of the temple, when Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering. And it, 
There was so much of the presence of God in the temple that the priests couldn't even go in. So what we're wanting is we're desiring, first of all, that my heart is a dwelling place for you where I am giving you free reign and free rule. And I'm recognizing that I need more of you. I want more of you. If I'm going to take my commission seriously, I'm going to get buffeted about. And that's what happens in the world. We're buffeted about. But as it says in Ephesians, stand, you know, take your stand. We use our weapons of war, which are not the weapons of the world. We don't get discouraged by what we see in the world. We stay focused on what we're supposed to be doing. Kingdom, 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 kingdom. They were reminded, and they kept saying it, he is good, his love endures forever. So our focus is on our king. He is good, his love endures forever. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Through me, in me, in this place, in this city, in this country, in this world. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord Jesus, however you direct us after this morning, personally, we just want to be open to you. That we would reveal the real king in this world, but only first when the real king is Fully, more fully revealed to us. So Lord, come now. May we be those who respond to David's words. Now, who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? So as we worship, Lord, continue to speak it to our hearts as we decide when we're going to pray over the 24-hour prayer time, that we would, would do that with, with you in mind, ask you when would be good, what do you want me to do here, Lord? And just as we continue in our walk with you, awaken us from sleep. Help us to see our poverty, that we would be enriched by you, Lord Jesus. And we ask all of this, Lord, in your name. Amen. Amen.